And Father, I pray that we would always, always be about pointing people to you, not to our opinions, um, not to other things. But God, may we live our lives in such a way that when people around us, uh, they see Jesus in us. And Father, I pray that our hearts would be open to you. And I pray that you would reveal to us if there are areas where we have taken control, that we have dethroned you and put other things or other people or even ourselves in a primary place where that is not right. Father, I pray that we would experience your power and your presence. And I pray that our hope would be in you and in you alone. I pray this in Jesus' name. Well, good morning. It is great to see you. You may be seated. So every time we come together, uh, this is nothing new, uh, but our desire is to come out with two things, to say, what is God saying to me, and what am I going to do about it? What is God saying to me, and what am I going to do about it? And so when we live in such uh, an interesting culture, and uh, I, every week I'm just, I shouldn't be surprised, but I am surprised thinking, oh my gosh, yeah, this, is, this is something new that now, now we have to navigate this or that. Uh, but, but I want to come back to, to always say, what does God's word have to say about whatever we are dealing with? Our temptation is, is to run to uh, our own particular entities where we find information and, and land on that. And again, I think we need to be well-educated, but I think the most thing we need to be educated about is what does God's Word have to say? And then align our lives to that, align our truth, whatever we are buying into, let that filter through God's Word. So this morning, we continue and we'll uh, uh, close out a little of our uh, we, uh, our racism uh, issue, the gospel and racism. Uh, as you'll see in a few minutes as we talk with Jesse, uh, you'll see that we have some other things coming down the pike. Uh, but I, I, want us to, I want us to come back to say, what does the gospel have to say and how do we align our lives to the gospel? So this morning, I want to take you to di- several passages. And the passages, you may want to just jot them down and then let God speak to you. And the question is going to be, what is God saying to me through this passage? And then what am I going to do about it? Our first passage becomes actually our prayer uh, for us. And it comes in Psalm 139, 23 and 24. And it says this, search me, O God. And, and the, the word search uh, is a Hebrew word that represents a um, it's a medical term, means a deep dive. So it's not just hydroplaning over, but you know, just saying, God, just do a quick, uh, you know, run over of, of what's going on in my life. No, do a deep dive in, into, into what's going on in my life, whatever it is. So God, search me, O oh God, know my heart. The word know means to know with, uh, with deepness, with uh, personality. Uh, again, it's not like I just might know somebody who's famous. I might know the name, but this means personal recognition of. So, know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. 
What, this is a scary prayer, and it's a very uh, audacious prayer, actually, and it'd be one that I would encourage all of us to give some thought to. It says, even know my anxious thoughts. And as I was reading this week, here, here was the, the phrase that came across, or the sentence that came across me. Instead of simply asking God to do something for you, ask him to reveal something in you. That's the deep dive of this prayer. This prayer is not just saying, God, will you do something for me? But instead, take it to a new level and not just what are you going to do for me, but will you, will you reveal what's in me, reveal what's going on so that I can live a life that is pleasing to you? So he goes on and says, show me, show me what I fear. Now, in, in my readings this week, I say, why in the world... Why in the world was, was it important for him to show what, here it says, show my anxious thoughts, show my worry, show my dread, might be another, another word that we might use. And here was what I came across. The fear that what you fear the most reveals where you trust God the least. That was worth your entrance fee this morning. What you fear the most reveals where you trust God the least. And so when we, when we come to God and we say, do a deep dive on my, my heart, you're saying, God, reveal to me. And then the areas where I am freaking out, the areas where I have dread, the areas that don't make sense to me, the things that cause me to go to bed thinking about it, I'll wake up thinking about it, the things that those things... God wants to use things to say, this is where you need to trust me, and you're not trusting me. You're trusting in circumstances. You're trusting in people. You're trusting in whatever to bring relief. And God says, no, I want there to be something bigger than just relief. And then he goes on. <laughs> this is incredible. He goes, point out anything in me that offends you. And then lead me in the right way. And so this is what we drive our, our church to be about, to say, God, how can we point people to Jesus? How can we live our lives in such a way that our hope is in you and in you alone? And, and may, may, may you guide me in a way that so when people are around me, what a beautiful name Jesus is that they see in us. And so as we've looked at this issue a couple of weeks on race and racism and the gospel and how it r relates to it, that ain't going to be the last issue that we have to deal with. And we're going to come back to every issue comes back to say, what does the gospel have to say? How do I, how do I navigate this through the gospel lens? And one thing that Jesse Miles and I, Pastor Jesse and I came across was this. If you want to do the work of God, pay attention to people. And so God has dropped Jesse Miles into my pathway. And if I haven't made it clear yet, Jesse and I don't agree on numerous things, several things that we don't agree upon. But what we do agree upon is the gospel. How do we, how do we navigate in this particular case? How do we navigate racism in a way that is pleasing to God? How do we, how do we live our lives in such a way that the gospel is what drives how we deal with one another? And so in, in our reading this week, Pete Briscoe had this prayer, and I think it'd be a good prayer for me to pray for us, and then we'll jump to another verse. 
Uh, Lord, give me your eyes to see the way you see. So I can notice people that no one else notices. Please reveal one person in need today and then speak to me about how to love that person. In Jesus' name, amen. It's one relationship at a time. How do we bring the gospel? We recognize it. We, we, we pray, God, help me to notice the people in my concentric circle. And help me to be aware of what's going on. And help me to bring the gospel to them. Help me to bring the breath of life to them. Our next passage you may want to jot down uh, is where uh, Jesse and I say we agree as our churches uh, partner together. Isaiah 43, 1. But now says the Lord, he who created you, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, you are mine. This is such a powerful passage, and the reason I love it so much, it says, I uh, just want you to know, this is what the Lord says, and let me remind you who the Lord is, uh, I am the one who created you, I am the one who formed you. So the clue bell ought to be going off, like this... You, you ought to be saying, if you created me and you know me and you are the creator of all, probably you and I ought to listen. That ought to be our primary source. And so it says, when you recognize, and not everybody recognizes the creator, but in this case, as followers of Christ, we do. We say, here's the God. He has something to say to us, and he's just reminding us, I created you, and I have formed you. And then he says, Fear not, again, it is amazing, fear not, because what we fear the most reveals where we trust God the least. And he's saying, I created you, I formed you, and so whatever you encounter, I'm big enough to handle. You don't need to fear. Put your hope and trust in me. And then he says, fear not, and then he says, here's amazing news for you, for I have redeemed you, I'll talk about that word in just a moment, moment. I have called you by name. There is nothing better than someone calling you by name. We all just like to hear our own name. And God knows that and he formed us and he made us. And he calls each one of us by name. You are known to God. It's in incredible. The, the intimacy that God has. And he then says, and by the way, you belong to me. For all people who are followers of Jesus Christ, they belong to Jesus Christ. They're in the family. And when he says, I redeemed you, it means to redeem is to claim as your own or to buy it back. And so because all of us have sinned, when we give our life to Jesus Christ, Jesus paid the price. He redeemed us, the potential of us being redeemed. He's paid the penalty for us. He's bought us back, and all we have to do is accept it. What a, what a deal. What a deal. The next thing that Jesse and I talked about that we agree upon as our churches say, how do we bring the gospel to Lincoln? How do we bring the gospel to Lancaster? How do we bring the gospel to the state? How do we bring the gospel to the United States, how do we bring the gospel to the nations? One, we, we introduce people to Jesus Christ, and then we challenge followers of Jesus Christ that we've been redeemed for a purpose. 
that God didn't just save you and redeem you just so you would have your ticket into heaven, which is part of the deal, but there's so much more. He's called us for a purpose, and it's found in 2 Corinthians 5. You might jot that down and run through this one this week. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 20. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, so all of you, if you have given your life to Jesus Christ, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, this applies to you. Everything you hear, you ought to be saying, what is God saying to me and what am I going to do about it? Because this is not uh, uh, exclusive at all. It includes every person who has given their life to Jesus Christ. So if anyone, so that's you and me as followers of Jesus Christ, if anyone is in Christ, you are a brand new creation. And the word new in the Greek doesn't mean, there are several different words he, he could have used, but he uses the word that means brand new from the inside out. It's not new and improved. And so when you give your life to Jesus Christ, he transforms you from the inside out. You are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Verse 18, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled or made us right, he made things right, reconciled us to himself, and notice here's the purpose, and he's given us the job, he's given us the ministry of reconciliation, one relationship at a time. In your concentric circles, being aware of where does God have me, where am I living, who are my neighbors, who's in my house, who's in my, in my pod, who, where is God putting me where I have influence and my job, because I've been brand new wherever God has placed you, and by the way, I say this until you get sick and tired of hearing it, because it, you need got to remember, Acts 17, before the foundation of the earth, God knew exactly where he wanted you to be, and he's put the people around you who need to know Jesus. Their best chance of knowing Jesus is because you live next to them or you're in the same vicinity as them. Otherwise, God would have put them someplace else. So it's to awaken ourselves to say, where does God have me? And who are the people that God has placed around me? And how can I bring redemption? How can I give them access to the gospel? In verse 19, that is, here's the ministry of reconciliation. Here's the message that in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. Not counting their sins against them, but entrusting the word entrust there is a, is a financial term, meaning the one who has complete authority over the finances it is the one that says, so I've entrusted you, entrusted you with this message, with this gift, with this purpose of reconciliation. Therefore, having given you all this information, again, what is God saying to you and what are you going to do about it? Therefore, we are ambassadors, we are tour guides, we are representatives of Christ Jesus. God is making his appeal through us. Powerful. God is making his appeal through us. We implore you, on behalf of Christ Jesus, be reconciled to God. That has made it so clear that whatever Whatever crisis we enter in, and not to be a, uh, a bearer of bad news, but my guess is there may be a few other crises that happen in the next month or two. Who knows? 
But it, the point is, is that wherever we go, our job is to point people to Christ. He's given us the ministry. He's given us the privilege. He's given us the opportunity of entering into people's lives and breathing hope to them and pointing them to Jesus Christ. So what does that look like on a practical basis? Now, before I take you to this passage, brace yourself. Because what you're going to want to do is say, you're going to want to say, what is this passage saying to somebody else? And you, we all have that person in mind because we all have somebody in mind that really needs to get their act together. And we're going to start with us. Start with you. I'm starting with me. So when I take this passage, don't get mad at me, just be mad at God. Because it is a powerful passage. Here's what the ministry of reconciliation, here's how it starts and works its way out. Ephesians 4 is where you want to go. Ephesians 4, I'll start with verses 1 and 2 and then I'll skip uh, to the end of the chapter and let you wrestle with the passage this week by saying, what is God saying to me and what am I going to do about it? Ephesians 4, 1 and 2. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, of recognizing my call as a follower of Jesus Christ, I'm begging you, he's speaking to the church, so he's speaking to everyone who's a follower of Jesus Christ. I beg you, I plead with you, lead a life worthy of your calling. So if you go to Facebook and... Uh, today and look at No Greater Love Facebook, you will hear Jesse more effectively, but, more, but he will be talking about this passage, that we are to live our lives worthy of the calling. What is the calling? That we are ambassadors of Christ, that we represent Jesus Christ to every person who comes into our pathway. No exemptions, that we represent Jesus Christ. So, let's go on. Be a leader, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God, a pretty big deal. Remember, he made you, he formed you, he knows you. Always be humble, always be gentle. Humble means that you're willing to listen before demanding that you're understood. That you seek to learn, that you realize, I don't always have all the answers. And so you, we seek to understand where are they coming from. What, and we offer grace where grace is needed. Why? Because we've received grace. Okay, what is God saying to me, and what am I going to do about it? He goes on and says, be patient with each other, except for the most irritating person. No, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Wow. Oh, he's not done. Let me give you some more in case you've already got all that handled. Look at verses 29 to 32. Don't use, and again, I think this is interesting. He's speaking to believers, so I just think, man, what was going on there? And yet I look on Facebook and think, oh, yeah, I know what was going on. Don't use foul or abusive language. Watch your mouth. Let everything, not just some of the things, let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Why? Because we are representatives of Jesus Christ, and so we represent Jesus Christ, and we breathe life into people and breathe encouragement to them and come alongside them. 
Don't bring sorrow, verse 30, don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he's identified you as his own. He redeemed you. He called you. He's given you this job of reconciliation. Guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. He's saying your, 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 hist- your, your future is all good. What are you going to do now? What is God saying to you and what are you going to do about it? Okay, so just in case you missed verses 1 and 2, he comes back and says, So get rid of all bitterness Get rid of rage, get rid of anger, get rid of harsh words, get rid of slander, as well as all types of evil behavior, and instead, so there's a phrase called uh, plan for, plan against, and once you decide what your goal is, you make a list of how am I going to get there, and you plan for it. So you put these things in place, If, if you, whatever it is, whatever is important to you, you have your goal of where you're going, and you have the action steps. That look, the action steps are planned for. So this is how I'm going to plan for. Just real quickly, I'll, I'll say, so in, in this case, uh, if, if I, which I, I hear more uh, effectively from God earlier in the morning than late afternoon. So, so I plan for by going to bed earlier so I can get up earlier. So I plan for getting up early by planning against staying up late at night. So plan for, plan against. Whatever keeps you from doing something, you plan against it by planning for. So he says, I want you to plan against bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. And instead, plan for this. Be kind to each other. Be tender-hearted, not hard-hearted. Forgiving one another. And why should I forgive other people who messed me around because Jesus Christ has forgiven me. Plan for, plan against. You see, identity is so important that we identify that we are followers of Jesus Christ, that we are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. And in the racial tensions, we represent Jesus Christ by the way We pursue the people God brings into our pathway. Identity is so important because who you perceive yourself to be will will determine your actions. That's what Tony Evans says. Identity is so important because who you perceive yourself will be to determine your actions. I had the privilege this week of uh, interviewing Jesse, and I had five questions that I wanted to ask him and I want you to hear uh, Jesse's response to these questions. So, Jesse, before I jump into a couple questions, uh, I want to thank you for being my friend, uh, still being my friend, and just being a part of saying, how can our churches partner together and present the gospel? So I've got some questions I wanted to ask you. The first one, why are you committed to developing a relationship with us? He's hating. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, it, it, it's, it's God-ordained, God you know? Um, who would have thunk it five years ago, ten years ago, that we'd be sitting down doing this, right? You know, we've been in this community for I don't know how long, you know, but some kind of way God arranged it, you know, so that we can do this. I read a book. 
uh, book uh, uh, a while back, and I think it was Experiments from God, I forget what the author is. And one of the things that he talked about in that book is that God is constantly working around us. And many times what we try to do is get God to work on our agenda. And I think this, us coming together, is our working on God's agenda. And so to me, that's, that's the rationale. You know, we don't exactly know uh, what it's going to lead to, um, but if God ordained it, we know that it's gonna lead to something good. It's gonna lead to something productive. It's going to lead to something we edifying for our congregation. It's gonna lead to something that's glorifying to him. And so to be honest with you, I don't think we have a choice. I don't either. Thank you. So you and I have spent more time together than we have in a long time, mm -hmm. which I'm grateful for. Mm -hmm. What questions do you wish we were asking or that I was asking? Yeah. You know, even though you gave me those questions so that I could think about it, I honestly, I don't know, you know. Um, you know, what questions we should be asking of, of each other. Um, maybe in the context of, you know, what can we do uh, with our respective congregations um, to bring about more of a bonding, you know? And, and, and I know that that can only take place, there has to be a starting point, you know? And, and we can't do everything at once. Um, you know, a lot of that has to do with trust that's between the two of us and how we bring that trust to the congregation. Maybe if they see it between the two of us, then they would be more willing along that line, you know. And when I say uh, to people, you know, we don't always have to join hands and sing Kumbaya, you know, but we do need to join hands and sing Hallelujah to Jesus and Glory to God, you know, and, and that type of So, you know, to be honest with you, Tim, I'm not sure of the questions, you know. Um, and even if we had those questions, could we adequately answer them? You know, um, I just think, you know, the question is, if I put it in that context, are we a congregation uh, that love God with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul and our strength and our neighbor as ourselves? Yeah. You know, and this is not the time to ask who is my neighbor because God has already told us, yeah. you know, who it is. And so, um, can we, because if we can unify on that scripture, everything else will start falling in place. Yeah, I agree, I agree. All right, so this is your chance. Okay. What do you want to say to Newcomb? You know, I did think about that one, right? It's like, if you would put those names together, uh, Newcomb and No Great Love, Maybe we would be called the New Covenant Fellowship Church of No Greater Love Community Church. We need a big sign. <laughs> you know, but, but to me, that's what we are. You know, it's like, how, how does the two become one? You know, how does the two become one? And again, we don't have all the answers, but at least we have the heart desire uh, to do it. And, and the Lord tells us in his words that, you know, if we delight ourselves in him, he'll give us a hard desire. And, and of course, our hard desire is to delight ourselves in him, you know. And so, and we know that um, uh, us coming together, you know, predominantly black church, predominantly white church, and there's nothing wrong with saying that, right? But we know who we are in Christ, mm -hmm. you know. And so I think that if we, 
you know, I think Paul said that, you know, that we, we have to learn how to walk um, um, worthy of our calling, you know. And so if, if the two of us, you know, can do that and be an example, you know, for um, in, in terms of doing that and being an example for others, I think it would be great. I'm going to say this, you know, just this idea that we had uh, in terms of taking um, a topic and preaching that topic together, I think that that's going to open up doors for other churches in this community as well. I mean, we come to the realization, you know, we're restrained um, because of the virus, but it's like, okay, we still can do this. And I don't know if we had thought about that, Tim, honestly, before this. Right. You know, it was, it was the virus that said, well, no, we can't really necessarily get together, but now we have the platform, you know, that we can do that. And to me, it's just been a great interest, you know, to go back and forth to see what you're preaching and how I'm approaching it and that type of thing in our respective congregations. I don't know if I answered that question. Sounds good to me. Okay, all right. <laughs> so this one is a little more mm -hmm. uh, difficult maybe, but um, what's going to keep what we've done, what's going to keep us from just patronizing okay. one another? Okay, this is what I'm thinking about. In um, process of preparing for this series, in the last week's sermon, you had used a sociological term. You know, I have these three lapses. Yes, use a sociological term called symbolic interaction. I was hoping you would have <laughs> noticed that. The sociologist said, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I wanted you to say, nice nice job, job. Job. you know? And I mean, when you when you look at that that concept, I mean, you start at individual interaction, you know, and, you, and the hope is that based upon those interactions, you know, that relationships would develop, you know, as a result of that. And I think that's sort of where we are. You know, it's through those interactions that you develop that trust, you know, those bonds, you get to know uh, people. And so uh, I think that, again, the door has been opened. We, we can never, once the door has been opened, you know, our prayer is that the Lord will never allow us to close it. Wow. Because he, he will keep the door open, you know. And so we have to be willing and ready to do whatever the Lord is calling us to do in this moment, you know? And so, and I see that's, that's where we are now. Uh, but we have to be ready. We just, we have to say to the Lord, Lord, I don't know all the answers. I don't know all the questions. I don't necessarily know where you are leading us, but I do know that if we acknowledge you in all of our ways, that you would direct our path, you know, and so, and that's where we are. Our paths have been directed to come together at this moment because there is some redeeming work that the Lord wants to do through these two congregations, wow. you know, and so the now what is, you know, God, what what's next? And my ears are open, my heart is open, my mind is open, my spirit is open to whatever that next is, we're willing to do it. Good, good. So you touched on it a while ago with the last question, but so now what? Yeah. Where where do we go from yeah. here? I, I, again, it's it's we know that God is working. We know that there there is uh, no reason for us not to think that He's the one who's directing us. And so, if we would pause, if we would stop, if we would. Uh, be disobedient, it, it would be blasphemous almost, you know, and I'm using that loosely, that uh, we can't, you know. We should be staying up at night, you know, Lord, what's next? I'm, I'm anxious, I'm, I'm ready, 
to preach this word on, uh, because I know that it's transformative, you know, and, and all of us have to be able to say to ourselves, there's, there's, there's something about me um, that the Lord wants to change, right? You know, and, and I got to be willing and, and not be as stubborn as my wife said that I have. Um, <laughs> that, that I have to be willing to accept that change, you know? And, and it starts at one individual at a time, yeah. you know? So if I take my focus off of Tim and say, you need to do this and you need to do this, and put that focus on, on back on Jesse to say, Lord, use me in such a way that whatever change that you want to make in Tim, I can be an instrument for it. Wow. That's what we are. Yeah, right? absolutely. That's what we are. And, and God is going to get the glory. Good. Get the glory. Uh, Jesse and I have uh, had some further conversations mm -hmm. just about what's next. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're in conversation about just the possibility of us having more conversations and including questions from our churches. Absolutely. absolutely. That they say, we wish you guys would have this, this conversation. Uh, there's even some uh, front end conversation about what it would be like to partner with Operation Christmas Child. Yes. And yes. so, yes. Uh, yeah. some things that we can do to serve our community yeah. and to serve the world. And uh, so, so, to New Cub and to No Greater Love, uh, thanks for listening. And uh, now we just make sure we point people to Jesus. Yes. And New Cub, uh, just to let you in a little secret, uh, Tim has been trying to recruit me to come over to be the senior pastor. <laughs> It'll happen. Yeah, It'll happen. No, you know, no, really love. I just said, take him. You know. <laughs> oh man, praise God. What is God saying to you? What's He saying to me? And then what am I going to do about it? Uh, if you would get your phones and uh, dial in to 402-260-2400, like for you to respond. And a, a couple ways of responding. Uh, that Psalm 139 will be how we pray over all prayer requests that come in. We're going to pray that God does something for you, but more than that, we're going to pray that God reveals something in you. So that'll be our driver for any prayer requests that come in. There's a place uh, if you uh, text respond, uh, you have opportunity to write in prayer requests. There's also a couple ways for us to go as a church. Uh, if you're doing the version readings, there's another uh, reading by uh, Dr. Tony Evans, The Role of the Church in Cultural Clashes. And brace yourself, it's, it's a good one. Uh, and it would be worth reading or reading again if you've already done it. Uh, the role of church in cultural clashes. Uh, if you're not using you version, uh, then Ephesians 4 would be just a great passage to work, uh, work your way through. Um, the, the entire purpose uh, of, our, of our hope is that there's just more of Christ and less of us and, and not the reverse of that. You're going to hear that song in just a minute. They'll let the let the words uh, really bring it home to you, saying that's what, what I need. If it's, if it's more of Jesus, then there needs to be less, less of me. Just a quick word uh, before uh, for we sing. 
There's, uh, this week is an amazing week for us, for Royal Family Kids Camp. It is back on uh, in a very different way. Uh, we're having it Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. We're out at a farm, and it's a one day. It just runs from 7.30 in the morning till 4.30 in the afternoon. Uh, we'll have around 20 or 25 kids on Monday, and then another round with a different group of kids on Tuesday, and then another group on Wednesday. So just uh, one pray that, that these kids see Jesus. They are abused and neglected, and they deserve the best we've got. And your giving, by the way, uh, your financial giving, which again, I, I say this every week, but I hope you don't get tired of it. Way to go. Your faithfulness in giving matters, and we're contributing as a church to Royal Family, not just with workers, but financially. And it's because you give uh, generously every week that we're able to uh, keep that work going and keep it afloat. It matters. And so whatever you give matters. Uh, so let me pray for the Royal Family Camp, and then uh, we'll have a closing song, and then I'll uh, lead us out on this one. Father, uh, I pray for protection for those students that will be at Royal Family Kids Camp this week. God, may, may they, one, would you protect them? I pray that there would not be any kids who would be no-shows or uh, whatever happens that would keep them from coming. God, I pray that the very children that you want there will be there. And I pray for the workers uh, every day. Give, give, give us energy, give us stamina, give us insight, give us wisdom, give us favor with every student uh, and worker so that we can be the, an ambassador for you. May they see Jesus in the way that we play, in the way that we present the gospel, in the way that we come alongside I pray for protection uh, health-wise. God, I pray that you would just protect this camp. And Father, thank you for New Cove. I'm grateful that, uh, that uh, she gives the way she does. And thank you for the generosity of our church. And I pray that you will honor those who give. And uh, Father, as we listen to this next song, may you show us uh, what your desire is for us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.